you know, the more we can find ways to psychologically show the learner what they're learning and empower them to collect skills, to collect education, it's going to be a game changer. The world has never been changing more rapidly, dislocating the ways we work, learn and live. On the Learning Future podcast, we discuss the knowledge, skills and dispositions we all need for our learning future, exploring insights with world-class educators, researchers, policymakers and leaders from across industries and across the world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we're speaking with Chris Purifoy. He's the CEO and chairman of Learning Economy Foundation and co-founder of WeLibrary. Chris is a serial entrepreneur, an author, and a technology architect. He's also a senior editor for The Diplomatic Courier. He is a fellow of a, of a great myriad of groups and sits on various councils, including the US Department of Education's Blockchain Action Network, the G20 Civil Society Leaders, UN Blockchain for Implax, Salzburg Global Seminar, and a range of other Chamber of Commerce, uh, TEDx Nashville, TEDx Venice Beach, and a, and a range of other um, amazing communities. He speaks in global forums about AI, blockchain, and the future of education and work. And over the last decade has built several different startups from the ground up and led tech collaborations and contracts in government, global policy, nonprofits, education, and entertainment. Chris, fantastic to have you with us today. Yeah, no, very excited to be here. Great. Thanks so, for Mate, it's fantastic to talk to you. And I know that you're doing some really amazing stuff at Learning Economy Foundation. Take us through the big idea that you're exploring through your work. What's the big question that you're really looking to solve as part of this work? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a really good question. You know, at Learning Economy Foundation, there's, you know, there are many questions stacked, if you will. You know, we're, we're doing a lot of pioneering work. Uh, but I think if you were to really distill it down, we are really exploring what we like to call the internet of education, right? It's an ideal, it's a movement that's happening in a lot of ways around the world that, you know, it, you know, we coined it officially uh, just this last year or, or just, I guess, January at Davos, which is, it's crazy how, how mm. much has happened since then. Absolutely. But since then we've started to see it really blossom around the world. And, uh, and the idea, so what is the idea? You know, uh, when you think about education and employment or, or the future of it, you know, you have to first start and look at the really existential challenges it's facing. And that's really where we uh, kind of plant our flag, you know, uh, it's the big ones, right? I mean, you have, you know, for us, our theory of change, we look at this and we say, well, the fragmentation of all of the data and education and employment, in our opinion, is the root cause of all of the trouble that's happening. Uh, you know, that the idea that schools don't talk with other schools don't you know that don't talk mm -hmm. with employers that don't talk with government agencies and so on we don't have good data and so human capital investors like governments mm -hmm. they don't have uh the data to know what impact is being made with their investments so a lot of times they really are buying in on guesses and assumptions and old data <clears throat> and and because of that we know in every city in the world skills gaps are growing right i mean the skills that are being created are not the skills that the world need right yeah. and the world is also you know, rapidly changing, right? So there's also this, you can't keep up. And then, you know, from that, we know that equity gaps are growing. I mean, in, in light of everything that's happened with the pandemic, you know, here we are in a place where what used to be a homework gap, right? Where the idea that I can go, I can, I can learn at school, but I go home and I can't get the same type of education as everyone else because I can't train myself at home because I don't have data plans or I don't have computers. Mm -hmm. We used to be okay with that. We never should have been, but it allowed, it was a systemic thing we've allowed to happen because it seemed like we'll solve it over 10 or 20 years. But in the moment when now you have to educate yourself from home, this became a critical equity crisis. And so we're yeah. seeing that growing as well. 
right? And so, and these are all really tough challenges. And for us, you know, the biggest challenge that seems to be at the root of all of, of I guess, where to solve this is in the fact that as a learner, as an employee, I don't have access to my own information, right? At least not all in one place. I do, uh, but I, it's very difficult. And you, you know, I can go and get my transcript and I can track it down and I can, you know, I don't know where mine is today, right? But I could go get one and I could go to my school and ask and it would take some time and I could figure it out. But what is that? I get a piece of paper. A lot of mm-hmm. people, you know, I, I have friends that complete, you know, I just finished Berkeley. I just got out of Stanford or Harvard and they're like, look what I spent all this money on. And it's like a PDF, you know, that no one's ever going to look at. And the idea here is like, you know, because there isn't access to that information, really the psychology of the learner is really upside down, right? Because I am learning skills all throughout my life, but I don't know which skills I'm learning. And so because I don't know, I'm not actually earning them, in my mind at least, right? And in the rest of the world's mind, right? And so these are really tough challenges. And so for us, uh, the Internet of Education is a very uh, ambitious, very uh, exciting approach to solve all of them, right? And at the root of it, the idea is let's create a connected ecosystem. Let's connect it all in a way that's safe and so that – you know, students can have lifelong learning records and so that they can mm. save them on their phones. I can have a lifelong wallet of all of my information and we need, I can know the skills I'm earning and I can kind of earn that equity in a real way and have lifelong data streams that human capital investors can use to maximize their investments and to actually know which skills are needed and how to optimize and change. I mean, it's really, really remarkable, the future, if we could, if we could in a safe way connect the lifelong data streams across borders. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'd love, I'd love you to take us through what, what are the skills that you think are needed, for example, because we need to, there's a taxonomy somewhere, right? Or there is a set of skills and we talk about this all the time in education. And then ultimately, how does constructing an internet of education support that? You know, the idea that there is only one internet and therefore everything has the kind of same foundation or the same ability to communicate. It's a really good question. You know, it's funny. We, it depends who you ask, of sure. course. You know, ways uh it depends where you are right in a lot of ways their skills and you know are you know just as diverse as the world right and so but i will say i think there is one kind of theme you'll find no matter who you're talking to around the world about this which is that 21st century skills are really the most important ones now you know i mean creativity um you know a teamwork a leadership um you know, these types of skills that in many ways the school systems don't teach very often, you know, they're learning to, this kind of social emotional learning thing is becoming a bit of a, of a new thing. But, uh, but those are the skills actually that everybody wants, right? I mean, when you think about employers, you know, the employers want to know that you can, you know, add value to their company. And, and there are, you know, needs for, you know, specific types of skills along the way. But I would say if you were to try to take a mean and look at all of it and say, what are the most important to everyone? It's those, you know, mm. it's creativity. I mean, we were just, you know, today we had the, uh, the G20 or the C20, um, uh, uh, you know, what is it? Uh, Bridging the education divide. I moderated that panel today. And, yeah. and, and there's a guy from OECD, uh, who was on there and that's you know he he threw out all the data went through everything and in the end he's like so what do we need he's like we need more creativity <laughs> he's like yeah. teach the world creativity and we have all of our challenges and so you know ask him and he'll say that everyone in the world says it's creativity but but uh but i, I do think that the trend definitely leans towards that towards mm. the 
you have 21st century skills. So, and tell me, tell me then about the the idea of an internet of education because it's quite, I mean, it's quite conceptual, really, in many ways. Um, but what, how, how does forming up, conceiving, and then kind of delivering on an internet of education solve some of those skills challenges? You started talking, for example, about lifelong or education passports or wallets, credential like micro credentials, there's a whole range of different things in terms of trying to acknowledge, recognize, and credential the learning that we do, not just the schooling that we receive. So talk, talk us through a bit, a bit, you know, what is the intention and, and how is that forming up? Yeah, you know, um, I will say it, it actually is way further along than you would imagine. Uh, that's kind of the exciting part. You know, it, uh, there, it isn't totally conceptual anymore. It's right. actually becoming a, in a lot of great places, but, but I will say like, so how does it work? You know, if you really think about it, it's built on a couple of key utilities, you know, actually the best way to think about it is like this, you know, I, it is not very hard for me to find the very best a sandwich in my neighborhood, right? Sure. I can look it up. I can find the, I can find the highest rated one. It'll yeah. give me the directions to it. I can follow turn by turn directions and GPS will get me straight to the very best sandwich in town. But if I wanted to optimize myself towards a career in healthcare that I really wanted, it's not so simple, right? I mean, like, it's very, very difficult, in fact. And so when we think about what the Internet of Education will bring about, you know, our mission at Learning Economy Foundation is a global Internet of Education by 2025, right? Great. Um, and which is coming up quickly. And I mean, yeah. the first pieces of it, at least, you know. And so, and when you think about a world where that is available, the idea here is that I should be able to have a career, a learning GPS. I should be able to navigate you know, my way to that a type of world. And so when you think about it through the lens of GPS, this is a really good analog because mm. the original GPS, the GPS that helps me find a sandwich, it didn't arrive overnight. You know, the GPS was, it's a whole thing. I mean, first they had to have great ideas and visionaries and white papers and ideas. And then they had to launch satellites and then they had to learn how to triangulate. And then they had to learn to get data off of satellites. And then they had to educate stakeholders and governments and everybody else. And then they had to create data tools to be able to pull this down and understand them. And then they had to create applications, you know, finally APIs and educate the consumers and boom, now it's really simple. And I have it on my phone. Everybody gets it. It's, it's a simple thing. Uh, but that was, you know, 20 years worth of work to yeah. get to that point. And so, and so when you think about each of those different layers being a utility that's needed to create this, in the end, a GPS, uh, that's really the work that's happening right now with the Internet of Education, right? Uh, the Internet of Education is built on several different utilities. And so, so what are those, right? The first is what we like to call equity networks, right? Really, though, the better term for this is Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay. the idea is that... You know, uh, if you, there are learners that just don't have access to learning, right? Let's get access to everybody. So this mm -hmm. is a pretty simple one. We just need to get everybody access. So that's number one. Uh, number two is the digital wallet, right? The digital wallet is a, it's a very novel concept. And, you know, uh, when the first time you hear it, it sounds crazy. But after you start hearing it for a while, it's actually pretty simple. But the idea here is that on my phone, on my device, uh, I should have a place where I can store all of my credentials. <laughs> it's pretty mm -hmm. simple. I should have... Mm -hmm lifelong learning record, right? That's all mine and everything that I did. If I went to high school, I've got my transcript. I also, you know, have my, all my transcripts from college. I did a workshop. I did an internship. I studied online. I went to Khan Academy, you know, mm -hmm. on and on and on. I did some workplace development while I was on the job. I should have one place where all this exists. It should be on my phone and I should be able to take that and 
and and and share it with an institution or with an employer or with whoever I want, and it should be able to be verified on the spot. No yeah. middleman. So why? As, and, I mean, the idea here it's the paradigm shift that uh, from the check to the credit card, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, the check was very hard to verify. Now we're going from the transcript to what's called the verifiable credential, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, and so, so it's, it's it's a very novel idea. It's pretty simple when you really boil it down, but it, it can it can feel pretty crazy at first. Uh, but but that becomes kind of the platform, if you will. And then from there, there are other things that stack on top of that, right? Uh, you need what are called skills libraries, right? Mm. We need uh, better skills data down to the course level, right? I need to know when I'm taking a course what skills I'm learning, right? Uh, I need to know the skills associated with all of my learning. Uh, and in addition to that, I need to be able to have a library of all of that that allows for them to transfer regardless of the data standard, right? So I should be able to transfer my learnings and my credentials and my skills to any employer, to any institution, across any border, and it should be able to transfer regardless of the data standard that they have. It sounds trivial, but this is a huge one, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the next piece of it is, you know, we need to, you know... So we need to have a GPS, right? Okay, so let's just now let's look at it. Let's pathways, right? So we have all this other data. Now we, yeah. we know the skill. We know we have kind of, you know, a, a marketplace of all of these different apps and, and you know, learning of tools and games and such. Now we need to be able to link all that together into a GPS so that I can actually navigate the, like the value centers, right? It should be able to tell me, great, if I, you want to, if you want to have that type of career, great. I would start here. You could do this. You could do this. You know, you could take a learning at this workshop. You could go to this. You could take this course. You could learn online. You could, et cetera, et cetera, until I reach my goal. And I should be able to tune it and retune it as mm. the world changes and as my passions change. Right. Yeah. Uh, this should be a very complex type of thing. Um, and after that, you also need another big piece that's kind of a foundational one, which is, you know, you need registries, right? I need a trusted, you know, verifiable registry, right? I need a place where. Anyone who's going to issue can get verified so that you know everybody that's issuing credentials are, you know, are verified and, you know, that all the credentials, it's a credential store. Imagine it like Apple's yeah. app store, but credentials, right? I need yeah. one place to have it all and I can know that it has quality and it's verified. Uh, and those are the core utilities. If you have all of those pieces, you have everything you need to build an internet of education, to connect it all into one unified system, this global internet uh, of, you know, education. And what comes out of that is a world where you can start to quantify the value of skills, right? And, you know, this is a really important moment because we need to move to a place where skills are, have the same type of currency as a degree, right? And, and in a way that is even more so because a degree right now in many ways is just a, it's a signal for the institution you took it at in a lot of ways. And it doesn't really say anything about my skills, you know, it tells you I completed something. So it can, it can tell you of, about my ability to to see something through in some ways. But uh, what I want, the world we want to see is one where skills have the same type of currency. You know, when you can quantify the value of a home, right, you can get liquidity out of it. You can get uh, equity out of it. You can build a whole market economy on top of it. Mm. Like imagine if we could build a learning economy on top of, you know, uh, skills backed, you know, like gold ecosystem, right? Yeah. I mean, but like this is, the, this is really what it's all about. And that's why it's being developed. I think at this, I'd love you to talk to us about how that, how you're enabling this at kind of even like state levels or regional levels, you know, because sure. what, what does it actually take to bring this, uh, bring this into being? So for example, you know, your lab process about bringing different stakeholders together, because clearly the challenge is sometimes is, you know, you hit all these, these kind of closed doors or there's different protocols. Um, 
And so what, you know, what educators are working really hard at in K-12 doesn't necessarily articulate into higher education or to further training or into the workforce. So, you know, what are some of the ways that you've been tangibly like working with the ecosystems, local and regional, to try to, yeah, ex experiment with this work um, and also establish this on the ground? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, you know, so, and it's the right question because, you know, where, what I just described really is the blue sky, right? I mean, this yeah. is, this is where we want to be. And yeah, so the right. question is, what are the rungs of the ladder? How do we get there? Uh, and what are we doing today? What's the, what, you know, and so, so this is, is, is definitely right on the money. And, you know, at Learning Economy, we, we really have two, have two functions. You know, one of them is the first part that I've been going over, which is let's get this idea out there. Let's be advocates for the idea. Let's be visionaries. Let's, you know, speak and, you know, kind of be, uh, you know, uh, let's help uh, catalyze the movement, if you will. Yeah, yeah, great. Exactly. But on the other side of it, it's very practical. You know, it's very much like, let's actually bring this to work, right? Let's have there be a there there that we can implement and get done. And the hardest part is exactly what you said. It's in many ways, people like to call us professional cat wranglers, right? I mean, it's <laughs> very hard work at ecosystems built, uh, but that's what we do really well. And we've, uh, you know, we, we did a couple, uh, now we have kind of a turnkey process. We have what's called a collab incubator now that, uh, it's, a it's kind of a one year process. It's, it's a, so, so launching an, a localized internet of education in a city state nation, if you will, uh, it requires, uh, you know, some very specific things. Right. And so what we do is, uh, you know, we come in over one year and we move you through the first three phases and then get you ready for scale. And the fourth phase is take a couple of years to scale this. Right. And so, and so we've done, you know, so let me, so let me start by saying how we do it. And then I'll tell you like where we're doing it and where we're right. seeing some action. But basically the concept here, the first phase is that you go in and uh, basically create the you know, the thickness of common shared goals, right? So the idea is build, is build the first ecosystem, you know, go into a state or, a, you know, you know, start organizing meetings, get everybody together, get the stakeholders from every layer of the ecosystem excited about the ideas, package it up, you know, kind of get a cadence to the meetings and to the schedules, uh, get everybody aligned around shared goals for pilots. You know, how do we actually implement this? Um, and then we move into phase two, which is formalization. Mm. Uh, we have a partner, Brighthide, that comes in and just like formalizes everything. They come in and let's get everybody in agreements. Let's get all this set up. And then they go in and they also analyze the data itself. Like what data are you going to be transferring, right? They understand those pieces. What are they? And they create a data trust. So governance model around the data to get everybody around that and get everybody at the table so that it's very buttoned up. Um, and then we move into phase three, which is really, uh, you know, implementing a stack some type of tech stack that's going to allow this to work. And, and at the end of phase one and two, we've come out the other end with a data trust mm -hmm. governance around the stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, um, we have an action plan, right? That's basically giving a, a very clear goals as to what are you trying to accomplish? Because everyone's trying to, because this is a huge ecosystem. There's a, a thousand different things you could do with yeah. it. Right. And so the idea is what is, uh, what do you want to do? And so we figure that out. And, uh, and then in phase three, we take those goals and it implements around a stack. So what do you need? Well, you know, you need a digital wallets, you know, you need verifiable credentials, you need whatever, you know, we figure out the different pieces and we have, we have some turnkey technology, you know, we, um, so at Learning Economy Foundation, we like to think of ourselves as kind of like the Linux foundation of education in a way, mm -hmm. like we're doing a lot of open source work, mm -hmm. which we can talk about in a minute. And we're working with data standards, you know, we're, you know, we're working with W3C, which is the World Wide Web Coalition, uh, yeah. to kind of create the standards. And so we own the standard for the verifiable credential and the universal wallet. 
with MIT to basically create the first pieces of that that everyone else can use. Right. Uh, that's all coming out in January. And so, so we're doing the open source work there. We're, we're launching software developer kits that everyone can use. Uh, at our company, We Library, we like to think of that kind of like the red hat, if you will. Where we're taking this technology because the problem with open source by itself in a vacuum is that you can't implement it at scale, right? I mean, you you you, you know you have to. It's it's very it's very hard. And so mm. what We Library does is it takes all of that and it makes it really simple. So there's like a one click, what's called a skills lab that brings all of those different, everything you could imagine into one thing that's white labelable that a city, state or nation can just implement and, and have a one click, you know, digital wallet, skills library, you know, pathways and, and on and on. And so, uh, but it's not, but we also don't lock in the vendor. If, if, if they have their own ideas, they have other things, we help them do that too, right? So in the end, whether it's us or someone else, once you have that formalized, the next step is just to create the tech stack that's going to make it work. Uh, and then you're ready, right? And then the next step mm. is like you have meeting cadence. And so now it's project management and scale. And so we turn it over to someone to scale, you know, whether that's a local government agency or coalition or association or whether it's a consultancy like a McKinsey or something, you know, it's one of those things where at the end now you turn it over and they take the time it needs to scale. Okay. Um, and, it, and, and it's working, you know, we have, uh, we have something like six, collabs happening right now uh you know we have one across the state of colorado with the colorado um with colorado governor's office mm -hmm. of information technology and uh, where they're doing something really exciting where they have uh what's called uh, my colorado which is a digital driver's license ah, that is on your phone they're one of the first ones to do it and we're adding to that verifiable credentials and so you can actually add all of your skills and your stuff into that digital driver's license that's mm. pretty exciting mm. um very cool. It's going to be a really great reference implementation for the rest of the world because it's backed by a DMV model, right? It's not this like rogue blockchain thing that everybody is like, what is this? Like it's a, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a very interesting model. Uh, we have one across, uh, across the district of Broward, which is the sixth largest district in the nation. And it's, it's a K through 12 district. So it's very much about pathways for education in K through 12. Uh, there's one across North Dakota. Uh, there's one, uh, in Chicago, mm -hmm. we've got one across the whole of Asia Pacific, uh, mm -hmm. so we've in, in six different countries in Asia Pacific, um, and we just are now talking. You know, we're not also working with UNESCO now about rolling it out to like sixty-five countries in Asia. Fantastic. There's just like lots of good stuff like that happening. There's work happening all over, and it's and it's not just us. It's it's it, it's always fun whenever you kind of birth something really interesting, and then it kind of stands up like an avatar in front of you and starts walking off, and you're like, wow. Like, <laughs> You know, we're hearing all the time. Like, so visual, yeah. You know, someone, yeah, it's just such a beautiful moment. You know, I mean, like we're we hear it all the time. It's like, oh yeah, there's a, you know, there's a, you know, a task force in Indonesia, an Internet of Education task force. Oh great, I didn't even know that was happening. And it's just like it, it's all over. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's this kind of global movement. So, so it's very cool stuff. And it's really it's really exciting. And and for me, you know, as an educator first, entrepreneur second. Um, innovator third maybe you know it's really at the edge of my tech understanding you know a lot of the kind of protocols and the you know um the interactivity between them but uh i i absolutely get as i think most educators do the idea of the way that we do pathways you know and that you know learning in the modern world it just doesn't end it can't it will you know we're always having to unlearn and relearn um to keep filling those skills gaps that continue to emerge, which takes me to my next question, which is, uh, I know that you explore a lot of kind of emerging exponential technologies and particular AI. I'd love you to talk about, you know, what do you think the implications are for the future of education 
in terms of things, it, well, no, exponential technologies generally, but specifically things like artificial intelligence, because, you know, you've got on one hand people saying robots are taking our jobs and the other saying all jobs will be augmented by AI. I'm in the latter camp. Um, what, what's, what are you kind of, what are you jamming on at the moment? And what would you say to people working in education about the role that artificial intelligence will start to play alongside them as educators, parents, policymakers? I mean, it's a good question. And, um, you know, you've, you've, you've caught me at a, at a strange inflection point in my uh, relationship with artificial intelligence, uh, because, you know, if you were to back up a little bit, like even just back to the beginning of the year, you know, there was a, the BBC did an article about learning economy foundation. And a lot of it was about that, like mm -hmm. those models, right? Like it was about like, so if you were to ask me then I would say, well, what artificial intelligence can do is it can look backwards. And when you have something, when you have a lifelong data stream between all the different and you have everything connected, right? Like all the supply chain of education, if you will, mm -hmm. um, what you can do with AI is you can look backwards and you can say which individual units of learning are moving through to skills and to workplace advancement and which aren't. So you yeah. start to actually look at it and you can start to say which individual pedagogies you, you can actually extrapolate that to every influencer in the life of a student, right? All the way back to research, which is a wild thing. Like which That's pieces of research are being cited inside of pedagogies, which are actually proving to be effective in creating skills and actually leading to job improvement. Like you can look all the way through this pipeline and you can say which teachers are being the most effective, which schools you can hypothetically solve signal gaps, right? By, connecting it into a data stream and looking backwards and saying who's adding value and who isn't like you can really start to get to the root of where the value is um, mm. just with some basic machine learning. Uh, but then, you know, this, then you have to ask yourself unintended consequences, you know I mean? Cause then, then that's the big question. You know, the BBC article came out and it was like, there was all this like, you know, hollow blue, like, ah, you're going to destroy the world. You know, and you're like, well, it's not the plan, but, you know, <laughs> but I mean, there is, you know, something to that, like, because when you think about, when you think about models like that, those models will optimize for economics. Yeah. Right. And is that what we want? I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, that's, that's certainly good for countries, you know, who want to increase their job placements and their GDPs and stuff. But is that good for humans? I don't know, you know, and, mm. and there's big questions. Will that like further inequality in some ways? You know I mean? I think in some ways it's great because what you can prove is that you if you can create an anonymous data stream, I can prove with AI that I'm the very best at a skill in a certain location, regardless of my zip code or my, the color of my skin or my gender or my orientation or any of these types of things that are mm. generally looked at. Like, hypothetically, we could start to solve those problems. But, but I don't know. I mean, the truth be known, if that's in a world where that whole data stream is owned by some kind of commonwealth protocol. And I mean, let's be real. That's really not what's going to happen. You know, yeah. you, the, you know, big centralized companies are coming into this industry. I mean, we, we stood this industry up. It wasn't an industry last year. It is an industry this year, you know, mm. Amazon, IBM, Microsoft, Cisco, like they all are putting sales teams together right now to come into this new industry, right. you know? And so hypothetically, I don't know, you know, it's, and so if you were to ask me then, it, ask me now, and I have a whole different relationship with AI because I, you know, I've been playing with, with a GPT-3, which is, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this, but this is, this is OpenAI's AI. It's the latest, most powerful AI in the entire world, and it is absolutely existential. Uh, and again, this steps past, like, the idea of what are teachers going to think. I mean, this is now we have to just talk about humans. You know, I, I was always of the camp yeah. that it's going to augment. Now I'm looking at it, and I'm going, like, no, like, humans are 
you know, it's doing, it does more today than I thought it would do 20 years from now. And it also does things today that I didn't think it would ever be able to do. Wow. And so, so I don't know. I mean, but, but I will say that, so there are two sides. There's the utopia mm-hmm. and the dystopia when you start thinking yeah, about how AI true. gets involved in all of it. Like, it's, it's very uncertain. And that's, I think, why they call it singularity, because it's very hard to see what happens in the future with it. But, but if I am going to try to answer with that long-winded, I've already answered, but I haven't started yet kind of thing, <laughs> I would say, um, you know, I would say that it, the opportunity of AI is to provide um, data really, 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 really great data for everyone who's an influence on the life of a learner to be able to optimize for impact. Mm. It's a pretty exciting notion. I, as a teacher, should be able to let AI analyze my lesson plan that I've been doing for the past couple of years connected with this lifelong data stream and tell me if my, if, if my students are actually moving through to skills and to workplace advancement or not. And in doing so, break it down to the individual pieces of my lesson plan that don't work. So I can be like, that's wrong. I should be able to do that. And that's, that's an exciting notion. If you can be excited about a notion like that, that some people are just really scared. Of. Um, and it's not just for the teachers. I mean, that's for everyone, you know I mean? The, the human capital investors, the government's institutions, they should be able to optimize for impact. They should be able to look at the data stream and AI will tell them what's making impact and what isn't, mm. you know? Um, you know, I mean, look at, you know, for assessments, you know, organizations like ETS, you know, AI is going to be game changer for them because they're going to be able to start assessing all along the way. You know, I mean, one of the biggest problems we have is that assessment is divorced from learning. You know, you learn, 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 and then someone else comes in and gives you a test and they try to narrowly understand little pieces that are kind of like not really associated. And, And in some ways, AI gives us the ability to connect the assessment cognitively as I learn. And that's really a way better way to assess. Like I should be able to get to the end of my course. I don't have to take a test because it knows yeah. cognitively it's following and understanding what I'm doing. And not only that, but it can personalize it, you know? So AI is, point. You know, the promise of AI is that not only can it cognitively follow me and assess me as I go, but it could also help me and intervent and give interventions along the way and say, wait, you know, you need to, you need to learn ratios because you're not doing it right. And it's going to really affect you because you're trying to be a nurse. And if you don't know ratios, you're in a lot of trouble. You know? mm. And so and so, I, you know, I think there's, it's exciting from that perspective. Um, but uh, when you start thinking about, but what does AI, true AI mean for humans as a whole? That's a whole different story. Uh, <laughs> we can go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, Chris, it's been a delight to chat to you. I'd, I'd love for you to, if there were a takeaway from the work that you're doing in terms of, you know, contributing to this, the formation of the Internet of Education, looking at solving skills gaps, uh, driving innovation, you know, overcoming confusion and, and trying to do something around equity in particular, what is your kind of take-home message to people working in the education ecosystem at whatever vantage point they hold? You know, what would you, what would you offer them um, as, we, as we step forward and we collectively build out you know, what the emerging future of learning will be? Yeah, you know, when you think about an equity focus, uh, you know, I will say this, there is a lot, everyone wants to talk about equity but there's not a lot of real hands on the ground action happening towards it. Uh, and I would say that um, it, when, when look, if I look through the lens of our work and we think about equity, you know, I think the most important thing that we can do as educators, as technologists, as you know, you know, looking in towards the future is we really need to 
um, actually give the learners the equity. We need to create ways where they know what they're learning and why they're learning it and they are collecting it. Like if I'm a learner and I'm getting to the end of my learning and I literally have nothing to prove to anyone or myself what I've learned other than a PDF, it's not coming off as equity to me, you know? Uh, so I would say, you know, the more we can find ways to psychologically show the learner what they're learning and empower them to collect skills, to collect education, it's going to be a game changer because, because, you know, you're going to see a massive increase in, you know, people finishing school and going on, you know, higher education and going on to get jobs when they know that they are empowered themselves to actually earn skills and actually earn things that have value to the marketplace and to the world. So I would say any way that we can move towards game theory for education, the better, you know, the more we can gamify this approach, the better the world's going to be in the future, I think. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. It's been great to chat. Yeah, no, thank, thank you so much. It's, it's, it's been fun. Thanks for listening to the Learning Future podcast. To find out more about our work, drop into thelearningfuture.com and follow us at Learning Future on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Here's to building a world of thriving learners together.